When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. See Day Trippers, brought to you by bookmakers.com. Welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. I'm your host, Matt. Joining me tonight, Kev O'Sullivan. Kev, how are you? I'm good. Not too bad. Calm down a bit. After That's a stressful, good. stressful probably hour and a half between half five and seven o'clock where I just wanted to put my phone in the freezer and lock it and didn't want to see it anymore. But it, it was just one of those crazy bank holiday Mondays that like, I don't know. It was absolutely insane today what happened. But it was nice to be able to switch up and watch a bit of a game of football. So Yeah. You know, yeah, the final preseason. That. Yeah, final preseason game, of course, uh took place in Preston today. Liverpool ended up coming out on top three one over Darmstadt. Uh closes out our little five game preseason schedule that we had. Played four German teams, four no, three wins, a draw and a loss in there. So uh, we'll get through the game, of course, and uh, we'll take a look back on the preseason as a whole, talk about who we thought has stood out for us, uh, might have played their way into the team, Ben Doak, obviously, who we're going to talk about. Uh, and then we'll go into, I believe it's day 27 of Lavia Watch, which is, it, it's almost the equivalent of when a zoo sets up cameras because they're expecting a panda to have kids or something like that, that it's just like, do it already, do it already, so... 3-1 against Darmstadt, Kev. Good crowd yeah. showed out in Preston today. Uh, fair contingent of Darmstadt fans as well, too. So good on them. Looks like they're going to enjoy a league in the uh, Bundesliga this year. Lineup came out. Do you think that's what we see against Chelsea? Um, yeah, I do. Um, I, I wouldn't have picked this lineup if you'd have asked me at midday. Because at midday, I didn't know that Curtis Jones had a slight little knock that they were protecting. But seeing uh, seeing when the team when the team was announced, I was like, okay. I was just trying to picture how this is going to work in my head. And I just thought this is going to be a season where we're going to have loads of 5-4s and 6-3s and games like Manchester United and Bournemouth, where we're also going to have games like Brighton and have our pants taken down by sides. 
it's 2013 all over again, but with probably arguably better players. It's still going to be it's going to be chaos football, and I watched tonight. It was it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts for the first fifteen minutes. It was crazy. It was enjoyable, crazy, <laughs> but it's definitely going to make me get more grey. <laughs> you know, if that's presumably possible, I'm going to have more grey hair at the end of this season than I want, and I just I don't know. I I like McAllister. I, li- I like McAllister in the six. I don't want to see it as a, 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 a mainstay, as a fix. But he's such an intelligent footballer that he can do the job. He can progress the play. His passing range is really good. His vision is exceptional. Yeah. He, he sees things from that middle of the park that not a lot of other players see. And you can tell the difference between McAllister in that role and Trent in that role. McAllister's natural midfielder. And he's pretty much been a striker who's dropped back. And he has that sense, the spatial awareness of what it's like to be in the middle of the park. Trent is still learning that. And, and you can tell when Trent gets caught in the ball every now and again. But look, overall tonight on the game, there was a lot more positives than negatives. I mean, I don't know how you see it. I was happy enough with the attacking side. I thought it was really congested when we attacked. With, we almost overcommitted an attack. And got ourselves sucked in and caught in the counter a couple of times. And better sides will, will punish you for it. But in the main, I thought we created so many chances just by getting the press right. I mean, God help any side who wants to play out from the back against us. You know, you're almost inviting sides to just go ahead, I dare you. You know, I double dare you. Go on, see if you're hard enough. And yeah, it's an awful lot of sides are just going to look at that and go, nah, we're pumping it big and long up to the big fellow up the front. There are not, not many sides are going to play out from the back against us. We'll get chances yeah. from that. We'll get goals from that this season. But at the same time, it's glaringly obvious. Like Everyone in the chat's been talking about it already. It's glaringly obvious look, what we have to do. It's massively, there's a massive hole in this squad that needs filling and it needed filling weeks ago. You know, Anyone who didn't watch the show last night, I strongly recommend you go back and watch it again because I don't want to be an echo chamber and repeat everything that they said, but they pretty much nailed it. Three, four weeks ago, the new Henderson and Fabinho were going. We said three or four weeks ago, we need a strong reaction this week, that following week, that following two days, as soon as Fabinho left, a couple of days, we needed someone in the door. And here we are six days to go until the start of the season and we're dicking about at half past five putting bids in that are automatically being rejected and only at half past nine tonight another bid went in and it hasn't been rejected yet but at the same time four attempts to get this kid in the door i mean at what point do you turn around and say fuck this you know. it's, I, I I think in the next 24 hours is when, like, I'm I'm baffled by the whole Lavia thing. He's obviously a player that Liverpool like. We've obviously tried to get him out of Southampton. He obviously wants to come to Liverpool. Southampton seem willing to sell. Like, they haven't been saying no, like, that's it. We're not selling the player. They keep going, no, that's not enough. No, it's not enough. So it's it's mind-boggling to me. 
how they haven't pulled the trigger on it. So I think the next 24 hours will know one way or the other. Either there'll be pictures of a van pulling up outside of the AGSA with Romeo Lavia inside of it, or we'll get, you know, statements filtered out through the trusted journalists that the club uses saying that we've well, moved on to other targets and <laughs> we go I'm, again. But I'm looking at, I mean, I'm hoping the people in the chat have got their notifications turned on for, um, the reliable journalists that we know who are going to kibosh this or not kibosh this and will let us know if anything does happen while we're on. But yep. yeah, I'm seeing, look, there's an awful lot of what about are we going on with this big Glenn Parsons is right there. Third bit went in a 46, four, 46 million plus a pound. <laughs> yeah. It's to lose Suarez situation to Arsenal all over again. No, look, uh, I can't, Anyone who's ever worked in sales, I would look the amount of people that I talked to over the last month about this deal. And if I was back selling cars, I would have a field day with all of you. Just pay the money, pay the money, <laughs> pay the sticker price. You don't do that, that's not how it works. But when you're negotiating, a question will be asked How much is it going to take to get this deal done? You're told. You go back with the second offer. If it's close and you think there's negotiation there, you do it there and then, and you you get it agreed. You don't go back with a third bid and have it bounced back. You just don't. It it's so amateur hour. It's so nonsense. It, if you're even if you're playing career mode on FIFA, you can put a bid in for a player. It'll get bounced back. If you get your second bid bounced back, you're kicked out the room. You don't get to put yeah. a third one in. That's a video game. You don't go back four, five times for a player that, let's be honest, this guy, this kid could be an absolute world superstar in a few years. He doesn't start for Man City. He doesn't start for Chelsea. He doesn't start for Arsenal. He doesn't start for Manchester United. But we're breaking our balls to try to get him. And we're being made to look absolute fools. What's going on? What the fuck is going on? I, I think is Matt, it, we're two of the most positive people when it comes to owners and club and FSG and getting things shit done and they'll sort it out and all the shit. But you're sat there like, what are you doing? This is this is stuff that you expect in the championship when sides are struggling and they haven't got a pot to piss in and they're trying to get a player that they know they can't really afford, but they really, really want him. Do you know what I mean? We're not that. We've never been that. So what the fuck? Like? Yeah, well, it's a change of pace. And I mean, it's certainly allowed us to fill up some channel hours on here to oh, yeah. to talk about it because it just keeps it just keeps dragging and dragging. So I really do. I, I really think that by tomorrow night, we're going to know one way or the other. And I, I'm hoping that the deal gets done. And I think that the deal will get done. I it's pretty obvious that we have a need for it because to swing it back around to the game, somebody asked earlier if we played the box midfield. McAllister started in that in the deep lying role in the six role, and I have to say I thought he played it well, but I yeah, didn't yeah. like it. It really felt like we were losing the best parts of the McAllister that we were seeing, where he's operating just that extra like sixth of the field further forward, you know, that much closer to the attack. Because you could tell he wants to go, he wants to get up in there. <laughs> Tom Boland, I presume, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're close. Closing in on an harassment charge from Southampton. Yeah, it's uh, 
We're going to get a cease and desist order coming through. Just go away with your miserly bids. Uh, and yeah. I, out of, out of the players in the first half, I would say the player who didn't have the best first half for me was probably Sabasly. It seemed like he was having a tough time really kind of getting into the game and getting on the ball. He had a, had a yeah. few loose touches here and there. But I mean, like you said about the attack, I think this is the first time in the preseason that we've seen Diaz, Jota, and Salah start together from the front. And I mean, it's seven, eight minutes into the game. We're already up 2-0. Shambles yeah. at the back from Darmstad. Uh, the corner was great for the first goal. It's a, it's a Sabaslai takes the corner. Luis Diaz peels off at the near post, gets a little flick on it. Virgil, I think, gets a touch. There's legs flying everywhere. And then Mo just slots it home. <laughs> as, yeah. as simple a goal as you like. But that was, an, that was a nice corner routine. And Sabaslai, to yeah. me, he seems like he's got the corner taking job. He's He's got he's got a different type of delivery, isn't he? His deliveries are generally flat and in with pace, but in at a height where he's he's asking questions of the defenders, the keeper, the forwards. He's he's asking questions of everyone, and if there's a weakness there, we'll find it. Uh, it's not one of these like. In fairness, I think Costas is a really good delivery. So does Robertson from set pieces, but they tend to be high and targeted. You know, mm -hmm. these these ones were. Eight feet off the ground and dipping. It was like Lewis Diaz got a skim on it. The best thing about that goal was Mo Salah got in front of the centre back, pinned him so he couldn't get through him and tapped it in. It was it was a really really good goal. Um, I know it was only a couple of yards out, but it was a really good routine to work it. And you know you're one nil up and you're like, yeah, that's you know a great start to the game. And we were dominant. We were pressing him. We were aggressive and spiteful at times you know there was a couple of uh tackles going in and you're like yeah i'm liking this and the second goal came purely out of forcing the keeper into an area where he didn't want to be yeah salah turned it over knocked it back and jota calm as you like just slotted it past the keeper two nil eight minutes gone you know lovely lovely goal but it was it, it was a goal that came out of pure hard work pure hard work and aggressive aggressive attacking defending uh, you know, it yeah. was it was exactly what you want to see. Exactly what you want to see. I absolutely love that. That second goal seems like one of those ones, or I don't think they showed a cutaway to the coach's bench, but that seems like one that Linders and all the assistant coaches that work on these pressing triggers and funneling teams playing out from the back to force them to play the ball into certain zones where you want them to play the ball. Like that's just a that's a perfectly defensive practice worked out goal for Liverpool. Nice taken by Jada. Doesn't panic or anything like that. And then seconds later, they barely even showed it live because they were still showing replays of the goal. It's just a simple clip ball over the back. The line is all over the place. Trent's probably two, three yards behind. Like Kanate tries to pull up like he's the last man. He really darts forward just as the ball's about to come over the top. And it seems like Trent was taken completely unaware that Ibu was pulling up to try to play the trap and the guy was well onside and it seems kev like that's the goal you can presume is going to get given up the most by this liverpool team this year isn't it just a little exchange yeah. of passes in the midfield or back to the defense and that one long ball with a well-timed run beats the offside trap and allison is left on an island and any decent think, striker scores yeah over over the whole game they caught us three times with that. And look, you're not going to prevent every counterattack. 
you're not going to stop every ball in behind. But you have to make it harder than that. And where he got the ball out in the left wing to be able to pick his head up. And he, it was almost like a reverse Henderson floating floaty curler into mm-hmm. space. It was it, it it wasn't to anyone. It was uh it was a, a pass into space. And that has to be stopped. That has to be stopped at source. And if the defense sees that, you know, you have to drop. You either have to press right up as a unit or drop. If there's any indecisiveness, you're going to get caught. And look, they got a, they got on their bike and it was a good finish. Allison could do nothing about it. Um, but yeah, that's the type of goal we're going to see against us. There's a couple of more. Yeah. I mean, they had a corner that Sabazlai was on. Sabazlai was the near postman for the corners. And most, I think most of the clearances he got right after the first one. The first one, yeah, he headed it back poor. down, back down into the danger area. Little things like that, you need to, he needs to iron out of his game because overall, he's a really good player. You can definitely see the quality there. But it's little things yeah. like that, just get under the ball and get it away from danger. But I think there was one in the second half where they, it was like, because we had it a few times last season where they play around in the, at the back, put a ball over the top, and it was the second runners from midfield. The strikers were coming back. So the four, our back line was coming forward, and their forward, their midfielder was making a darting run. And that caught us once. Allison stood up, made a brilliant save. But other than that, I mean, they were really, lim- really limited as to serious chances. You know, they were really limited to, the ser- to any serious chances. Uh, but overall, we scored three. We had five or six really good efforts from outside the box. The last season, you're not getting, or in previous years, you're not seeing players taking on those efforts. The forwards looked lively and looked dangerous and worked their keeper a lot. You know, he made some really cra- really good saves, but on another day, we scored five or six and it papers over an awful lot of cracks. This today... Is it? I'm almost glad they scored that goal in a way because it's literally focused the mind that you know you're not all that you do have problems and there's still an awful lot of work to be done. An awful lot of work to be done. Yeah, yeah. I watched that OC. I, I watched the uh, post match. It was um, Klopp was basically asked about the Chelsea game and he's like, yeah, he can do the six in a narrow formation. Sure, he can because he gets the ball, he gives it. He's got brilliant vision and he's got great awareness of where he is and where everyone else is on the pitch. He's a brilliant footballer. He can do that job in a narrow, tight formation. But he also talked about having a specific formation or setup for the Chelsea game and then something for the rest of the season. And he said they got the next five days to work on that. Whether it's just a bit of kidology to, to get Chelsea into the mindset that, look, we're going to try, we might try starting with a back five and play a 5 3 2. Uh, or five two one two or something like that or five two three, you know just just and the thing is, we could start at four two three one. Play Joe Gomez at right back with Kanate, Virgil and Robertson as your back four. Trent and um, what's his name McAllister as your two sixes. You could play Gakpo in front of them. Salah Salah on the right, Diaz on the left, Jota up top. You could play four two three one. You can go that way. 
you can play you can start whatever you want systems doesn't really matter it's what players do within confine of what they're allowed to do you can't give up too much space you have to be compact you have to defend properly you have to attack with aggression and numbers it was like it's basics it's the basics of football because there was a time in in the second half where we just went four four two and we looked like we managed to get real control in the game you know more so when the changes came i thought when the changes came on the hour and the first raft of subs came in we look we instantly looked better uh i thought we we gained more control it wasn't to do with you're 17 years of age would you go away and play some youth football or something i don't want to see you for another five years but no it it, it was it was just one of those games at the end of the preseason you can see the positives and the work that we've done but there's definitely a lot more work to do yeah. Yeah. One thing I noticed after we made the first draft of changes and uh, Robinson went off for Simicast, but Trent was still in the game. Simicast looked much better doing stayed white. Yeah. Like playing that role though, of not, not having to invert of mm-hmm. you just do the same job that Robertson was doing. You can get forward when you want to get forward, but let Trent drift in and be that quarterback and don't have you do that. So, I mean, that was a little bit better. Uh, I talk about standouts. Cody Gakpo, my goodness. Like, yeah, what? Good. He is some player here. Uh, it's Antio Ochill from uh, earlier in the show. He says, Gakpo will emerge as the best value for money signing in the last few years. He is so good. How have we gotten him for under 35 mil? Uh, yeah. I, I love how comfortable he looks playing in midfield. It honestly looks like it doesn't change how he approaches the game or his comfortableness with the game, whether he's playing in the false nine, out on the left, Maybe he was a little more drifted in and out of the games, but man, you drop him into that right side at eight position and just fits like a glove. It seems like a great versatility going forward for us. Just a pity he can't play six. Yeah, it, Harvey was okay when he came on. I liked Harvey when he came on. Gapo's brilliant. Yeah. Gapo's just an absolutely outstanding footballer, and it's nice to have players in the squad like that. We just look at him. Like, yeah, you're really good at football. You know. You can play anywhere. You're not pigeonholed into, okay, you can only play up front. You can only play on the wing. You can only do play in the middle of the park. Now, Gakpo can play winger. He can play up top. He can play in midfield. He's He's got the he's the package. You know, he, he's definitely got it all. Um, Diaz looked really good, really lively, really, you know, full of, full of energy. His goal, that third goal. Was you know that was Bobby esque. That was an outrageous improvised finish. If any of you guys haven't seen the game yet, go go and see if you can find that third goal. Look at it on YouTube. He turned into a bit of a contortionist to be able to get onto that. But I love how he pinned the keeper again. The delivery came in. The delivery was flat and fast, but he pinned the keeper. Came out bang goal. That easy. I love score. I love set piece goals. I love them. They're yeah. so important. Can't be. And we're we're looking sharp. Like I mean, last season it didn't feel like it, but we actually had one of the better defenses against corners and set pieces, and we're one of the more dangerous teams in attack. But like the center backs seem to be finding that little bit of space that much more. You know, yeah. like Virgil and Ibu in the box, they seem that much more commanding off of corners. And like you said, like I just think the change of delivery from Sabaslai, it just takes all of the like the video work that other teams have done on how to defend our set pieces because you just presume it's going to be Trent or uh, Robertson, depending on which angle we want to put the ball into. But just having Sabaslai there, who 
hits the ball so differently to those two. Uh, it's yeah. it's very exciting. And I mean, on in terms of defensive corners, it seems like everybody for the most part is targeting that back post. We we seem yeah. to be getting a lot of teams floating the ball into that back post. And like I think today was it Saba slide that was maybe pinned down or maybe Gakpo like two on one at the back post sort of thing. And he, yeah. he defended it well enough and we scrambled it clear, but like, that's, that's going to be an issue to work on. But so far that's, that part of it has looked pretty good. It's looked pretty solid. Uh, that was a big worry for me with the, with the, with the players that we've lost. Bobby was brilliant in the air defensively at our core at defending corners, getting the ball away. Yeah. Henderson, Fabinho, Fabinho, big six foot plus guys, you know, they were these, you know, we, we're not exactly the tallest team around at the minute you know it's like when you look through the middle of the park it's not as busy as big physically as what we have been it gives you different options obviously you're quicker in the ball and what have you but when it comes to um defending set pieces i think you know i'd say we could get caught a couple of times this season but look that's a tomorrow problem but for exactly tonight, yeah for tonight i was happy enough the other one i was happy, look Mo Salah, quiet game, goal and an assist. You know what I mean? And he just like under the radar, he um, he just he just chips in again. You know, That's quietly goes about his just game. Just game as well. He, yeah. he, we've talked about everyone else, and here's the guy. He's got a goal and an assist, and it's just like another day at the office for the guy. You know? Yeah. Did you well, see I, the I news today got... that? Three and seven, three goals, seven assists in the five preseason games. Like he's been very involved with getting the ball into the back of the net, and that only bodes well for us. Uh, yeah. What what news is that? The news that came out early this morning that some Saudi club were looking to bid mm -hmm. sixty million for Salah quickly quashed. But mm -hmm. let's be real, you know. I think the Premier League clubs as a whole are going to start looking at season by season that enjoy the players while you have them for this season because next season you're going to be slammed with offers for top players left right and center and some of them will go so it's good it's just good i think it's just going to be part and parcel of the game from now on that we're just going to have to get used to sides are going to come bidding for our players and there's some players that you you will look quite happily and favorably to accept bids for but others, you have to be strong and strong enough to say no. And Mo is definitely in that category. I think it's going to be a different question is going to be asked next year, but that's you know down the line. But you know, he's well, vital. He's vital to us this season. Yeah, no doubt. And it's it feels like he's. Like, I've got my fantasy lineup somewhat set for the weekend, but I'm. I'm now wavering of whether I need to get some uh, movement done in there so I can put Mo back into the team because I currently don't have him in. But he's, what, four or five years in a row scoring on the opening weekend of the year? So, you know, he feels a good choice. But, I mean, in terms of I, leaving, I'm not worried about that. I saw that late last night for me. It came through, you know, Twitter via Reddit, stuff like that. All just, right, okay. Yeah, he's I, – I just don't think he wants to go. I think Mo Salah feels that he's got pages to write in his story at Liverpool so. and those, those stories, like the legend that he can create at Liverpool is greater than anything that he'd be able to accomplish in Saudi Arabia. And I think that sort of stuff matters to him. Like he feels like he wants people to be talking about him in venerated tones in two generations. Mm. Passio yeah. makes a really good point there. 
Um, and I think it's one that a lot of people are overlooking in this. They aren't just going to come for our players. They are going to be going after our targets as well. And it's going to massively inflate the market. I mean, Rami Abbas did shut that down really quickly. You know, he, he just shut it down really quickly. But, you know, Pasio is dead right. The It's not going down the line. It's another big player. It's kind of like when PSG came into the market. You know, the, suddenly here's a club with brand new money that's just going to take players that you would have been looking at. And there's not an awful lot you can do about it. In the same way as um, some of the other clubs around the world, you know, were flashing the plan type things like China and like the Chinese League and a few others. But in general, I just think that this is going to be a market now that's going to be there. And there's not an awful lot we can do about it. We're just going to have to live with it and evolve with it. That's why I think our academy going forward is going to become really, really important. So out of the, all of the academy players that went on the preseason tour as a whole, Ben Doak aside, because he's a separate conversation, who else really impressed you in the in, in the preseason? I would say the one I was most impressed by is a little different from the one who I think had the best preseason. I think Jarrell Kwanzaa probably had the best preseason in terms of winning himself a spot in that senior team. I, I yeah, think yeah. Jarrell Kwanzaa did enough to move himself ahead of Nat Phillips in the pecking order where now Nat is completely and totally surplus to requirements and he should and could be, or should be allowed to move on. I, I think the one who impressed me the most was James McConnell because I knew nothing about this kid at all. Yeah. And he, he, he played very well for a kid who I've never heard of before, who I don't think a lot of people had heard the name James McConnell before he came onto the pitch for the first time against Carlsruhe sort of thing. Played in all the preseason games, played in the six, even though he's not come through the academy as a six. From what I've heard, yeah. he's come through as an eight more attacking player. So he's moved back in there. And like, I, I, it was extremely impressive. But I mean, he's got absolutely no chance. Maybe if the Europa League is sewn up well early, you know, like we get a, a repeat, like the second leg against Milan from a couple years ago, where you got guys like Max Waltman and stuff like that. Got to get have a run out at the San Siro. I, uh, but yeah, it, to me, I think Kwanzaa is the one besides Doke, obviously, that we're going to see around the team, which means think, he's had the best summer. I think he's going to go from possibly looking at a championship, maybe lower Premier League loan move to staying with Liverpool and probably see what his opportunities well, I think. are. I think Thomas yeah. Ray makes yeah. a really good one there. Clark was very good um yep. scored on the tour as well but looked uh, i th the one thing the, i suppose the biggest compliment you could pay to all of the kids who came in scanlon as well as another one had a good had a good had a good go of it none of them looked out of place none of them looked nope. overawed by being there and they all looked like they belonged and they all wanted the ball they were all comfortable on the ball and you know Whatever happens to their careers going forward, you know, a lot of them, most of them won't make it with us. But no. the whole point, I suppose, of these kids is kind of like what Chelsea have done is to build the best academy possible to be able to fund your first team when you need to supplement it with quality players. You know, you've often seen Chelsea spend selling academy players for 20, 30, 40 million pounds. You know, I, and 
I think there's definitely a, a, a route for these kids to go and play some real, you know, have real good careers. They all won't make it. They all won't make it with us. You know, that's nailed on. But I think one that definitely will. I think two, two that definitely will. Clark is probably the third one. But Kwanzaa for sure. Uh, but Ben Doak, I mean, what are, I I could talk about him for hours. What do you think of him? Because it's he's he's so he's so electric. Like obviously, I wasn't aware of even the Premier League as an entity, let alone following Liverpool when Michael Owen broke through. So I didn't get yeah. to experience that having a true great talent emerge from from the youth set, setup at such a young age and just take the thing by storm. I don't know if it's going to be that level simply because there's a player in front of him. Like the only way that could happen, like where that fairy tale story could play out is if somehow Mo Salah gets injured, you know, which doesn't happen. And fuck me, please don't let it happen now. The worst jinx ever. Uh, But he's answering the question of who's going to be that backup for Mo because Mo wants to play every game. He wants to play every minute of every game. So you really have to try to rein him in, but he's going to play 70, 80% of the minutes in that right wing position over the course of a season, it'd be a hundred. If you let him, you know, who's going to cover for him when AFCON comes, you know, that was a big question at the start of the summer is like, we're losing Mo Salah in January for the AFCON. We don't know how many games, three, four, five games, maybe who's going to play that right wing position. Well, you know, maybe you can move Jada, maybe you can move Diaz, yada, yada, yada. Now, I don't think there's a lot of us that would have a huge issue. If I am the first January game, I think is against Chelsea but I'm pretty sure we've got like a Bournemouth or somebody else like that when Moe's gone for the AFCON. I've got no issue with if Ben Doak starts a January game, you know, away to Bournemouth. I think that what you'll find by then, I hopefully he'll have played minutes. I think he'll be used off the bench mostly. You know, I mean, yeah. be it in Europa League, the League Cup, um, he'll get he'll get starts in the domestic cups. I don't know if he'll start Premier League games. I think more than likely what you'll see is Sabazlai or Harvey Elliott starting. But I definitely see him as a, an option off the bench in games because 20 minutes to go, you know, you're 2-0 up and you've got to go and try to chase the game and here comes this kid who's just going to run at you and he doesn't care. He doesn't care who you are. you know. And the thing is, Doak would be amazing. He will not be a Triore who will be, yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell for me. He's he once he finds the end product, if he can ever figure out how to score at this level, he scored at every level that he's played at all the way through. If he finds his shooting boots and starts scoring goals, there is it's if you're if you're good enough, you're old enough. I can see him forcing his way into this side if he starts scoring. But I've seen plenty of careers blossom because of minutes gained in Europa Leagues and League Cups and just players sharpening elbows and saying, I'll show you that once I start, you're not going to drop me. It is... um... Gabriel Martinelli (laughs) is is a perfect example of what you're talking about. Yeah, it is. Harry Kane. He had his... Harry Kane, yeah, exactly. Like, there's another one. So, I mean... Shit! If he hits those levels, we are uh, we are very 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 happy I, with that. But just his his burst of speed is yeah so fast. Like it's there's a saying about Kenny Dalglish, like he ran the first four yards in his hair, the first you know four point five feet yeah, yeah, yeah. were run in his head. He was that quick off the mark. 
obviously again no experience watching dog leash play outside of youtube clips sort of thing but like mo has that burst sadio had that burst where from a dead stop you know receiving a long ball over the top and you kill it dead with one touch and then you square the defender up and then you're just gone and he's got a good touch like he's not knocking the ball way too long every time yeah. you know like when you hold turbo too long playing fifa trying to get around somebody you just kick it <laughs> yeah, right yeah. out of bounds and throw the control across the room yeah, uh, i'm pretty good at that like, yeah, yeah, aren't we all? But like, yeah, he's taking the ball down well. The team looks like they're ready to pass him the ball. Like, yeah, it's just that final touch. I mean, it start curling a few in, and I mean, you knock in one or two goals, and all of a sudden, like, and we see it with other teams, and it bothers me with other teams of United fans going mental over Adnan Yanazai. Mm. or I lump Garnacho into that box. Ilanga yep. was in that. Like, you know, there's always the ability to break through and like force yourself onto the scene as a young attacking winger. If you just come in late and you score a big goal late that changes the outcome of a game from a loss to a draw or a draw to a win, it's huge. And then you just build on the pressure and move from there. So he's without doubt, the most exciting thing to come out of preseason. Like I don't even think that there's a case to be made for anybody else. The smart choice would, of course, be Alexis McAllister because he is just such an obvious footballer. Like he's yeah, such he's, he's a proper player. Cool. You know, he, he, we got him. Okay. We got him cheap. You know, we definitely yeah. got him cheap. But I look at Doak, okay, and I see what City have in Palmer and Foden, and what Everton had in Rooney. I think the sky's the limit for him. I'm, I, I hate to be the one and and heap all of that on him. But I think he could be that good and better. You know, I, the sky's the limit for him. And he couldn't be in a better setup because yeah. Klopp has already shown with the likes of Trent, with Curtis Jones, that he will play you if you're good enough. And you look at what he did at Dortmund with some of the younger players that broke through at Dortmund, the Marco Royces, the Goetzes, all of these young talents that he had there, he played them and he found ways to play them. There's obviously massive issues at um, at the club at the minute, no doubt about it. But the one thing I can safely say is going forward, we're going to create so many problems for sides that we play. Chelsea, Bournemouth, whoever, that we're going to come up in those four games, they're going to have to be right on it. And it's... Um, yeah, we're, we'll concede for sure. We're not going to, I don't think we're going to keep that many clean sheets in the first half of the, you know, the first 10 games, but we will score plenty of goals. And it might just be a case of see where that gets you. This working. Ah, here we are. A uh, question from MP with the awesome Galaxy avatar there, which I really do appreciate. Wanted to know, yeah, would you cool. rather he played, he being Doke here? 35, 40 times for a championship side or make seven to 10 appearances for us? I would rather keep him. I'd rather keep him with us for purely for the the simple reason. I think at his age, I don't think he's physically ready for a full competitive season where you're starting week in, week out. You see what it done at the back end of last season to Stefan Bacetic, where he was asked to play nine, 10, 11 games on the bounce, and he broke down. I think you still have to keep the caveat in the back of your head that they're teenagers, that their bodies are growing, they're evolving, they're developing. They need careful management at that age especially. You know, there's a reason why players at 17, 
18 generally don't go on loan. They normally are playing under 18s, under 23s football, and they're carefully managed at that level. They're not playing to the same intensity. They're not playing to the same volume of football that they're playing. And with the, the way football is going now and the amount of football that is being um, being given, put on players over the, that's going to come over the next few decades, they've got long careers as it is. You know, you don't need to shorten it by pounding their legs when they're just too young. I, w- I want to keep him at the club if he makes an appearance in the Europa oh, League have game. Have I lost Kev? No. Okay. If, if you want to play him in the Europa League game at home, in, he gets a, he gets a game here and there. Then he's taken out of it, dropped onto the bench for the odd time, dropped back off. It's it's all about careful management when it when someone's there, especially a precocious talent like he is. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he's built like a small brick shit house. So that's oh yeah, part he of is nice. Like, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't look like a wispy 17, 18 year old kid. Yeah. Right. I, I think I agree with you. I think I'd rather have him stick around the team. I think he's got a lot to learn from a very good professional influence in Mo Salah. And, you know, like you said, like we've got the opportunity to do that drip feed Foden kind of introduction into the team because we have Mo Salah ahead of him. But at the same time, he's there with Mo Salah running through the same drills as Mo every day and watching him yep. go to the gym and how he takes care of himself and stuff like that. And I think that is more valuable than just pure game time at this point. I think you can still lay really, really positive groundwork for him to build a professional career on that will serve him much better in the long run by sticking with the team this year. And then if he explodes, he explodes while wearing a Liverpool jersey, not with a Blackburn top on or something like that. Because you never know when you loan a guy out that's just going to have a great season and you go, shit, well, wish we wish we had him playing for us right now. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you mentioned... Kev, they're talking about players playing too much. Just something a little slightly different that I kind of just thought of. What did you make of the, uh, I don't know if it was an Instagram post or a tweet or whatever from Raphael Varane? Did you read that? I 110% agree with every single word that he said, bar none. So he was absolutely 100% right. Um, I think more so along the lines of the volume of games that players are going to have to be are going to be asked to play from the end of this coming season onwards you've got the expanded champions league which is going to add an, an extra layer of fixtures you've got the expanded all of the europe the european competitions are going to be are going to be expanded you've got a world club cup that's going to be dropped into the calendar that's never been there before You've got international tournaments where World Cups are being expanded to 48 teams, African nations, European championships, Asian Cups. Everyone wants more and more and more. And what they're forgetting is these players are breaking down in their early 30s again, like they used to. His other point about the referees and adding on injury time and what have you, look, as soon as the weather turns cold, the referees will be blowing for three or four minutes at the end of every game and going back into their dressing room for their cup of tea and their bob roll and pissing off home because they don't, they're unaccountable and they can't be questioned by anyone and thou shalt not talk to your betters like referees in a not so nice way because they will just send you off. Bunch of protected species bastards can't stand the prince. <laughs> this is uh, kind of deliberate this- because I know that you've been getting a little riled up about the refereeing lately. So I kind of uh, 
kind of yeah. led you down no. the path there, Kev. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I was watching the game. Yes, I was watching the game yesterday, right? And I saw an incident where Alvarez was on the touchline, and ball, referee blew up for a foul. He kicked the ball out, out, out over the line, four or five yards. Ball was dead. The game was stopped. The Arsenal player got the ball from the multi-ball, put the ball down, wanted to take a quick free kick. The ref wouldn't allow him to take the free kick quickly because he wanted to go and book Alvarez and give him a stern talking to. A few minutes later, the referee wanted to stop the game and go over to Mikel Arteta and give Legohead a nice stern talking to. All because he waved an imaginary yellow card and looked like a jackass. So what? He looks like a jackass hey. in 38 games of the season. If you want to, if they want it's, to stop, I find if, if they want to, to fix this problem with time, with time in game, the first time you see the goalkeeper grab the ball and walk it to the other side of his, his area to kick it out, count to six. It used to be a case that the keeper was allowed to have the ball in his hands for six seconds. And if it reaches seven, go fucking book him. 20 minutes later, if he does it again, send him off. There's a spare keeper on the bench. You got five subs. Bring him on. If you think your second goalkeeper is going to do it, put a third keeper on the bench and bring him on after. But I guarantee you, two weeks of sending keepers off, it kills it. It stops it. But no, they go and find a solution to a problem that didn't fucking exist. And then they turn around and think, we're the saviors of football again. And it's not just the Premier League. This is IFAB. Bunch of useless fucking twats there, I know. Anyway, yeah, uh, Mick, Mick G says the idea is to show that acting unprofessional at the senior level will stop assaults on referees lower down the pyramid. And I do believe there is some validity in that yeah, belief that, that, you know, parents that watch this see coaches and players get into the faces of referee and it becomes normalized. So the one yeah. against Arteta, I have no issue with. Because the directive came out a year or two or three or four seasons ago that players miming the yellow card were going to get yellow carded. It doesn't. Yep. It's not necessary. And I I hate it when you get Bruno Fernandez constantly going to the referee, going yellow, yellow, yellow. So I, I know, love this, the fact but this, that but this Arteta directive came out yellow. years ago. How many how many players did he get? None. He got none. He got none. none. Because but, suddenly, yeah, suddenly now they decided before, it's time wasted. Is it not better that they're deciding to do that? No, because they're be trying late, to. Pick... But I'd still rather have them do it. I guarantee you, ten games in, this will be a non-event. This will be a, a nothing. At least we get if, ten games it, then, Kev. We could but, we could see Jordan Pickford get sent off twice in the first ten games of the season if they hold this line for ten games. If they wanted to sort a real problem. Go back to how they refereed the 2018 World Cup. When sides who were getting corners were putting the ball into the box from a corner where the centre-back wasn't hugging your striker. <laughs> because as soon as he was seeing to put his arms around your striker, it was a penalty. Fix, a, uh, fix real problems. Fix real problems that exist in the game. Oshin's point about acting professional in senior level. At senior level, at 92 club grounds, professional club grounds, plus in the non-league, they have a multi-ball system. If you're playing Sunday league football and some twat decides to kick the ball halfway into the other pitch and the goalkeeper's got to go and walk and get it, by all means, book that guy. Because that's pure time wasting and taking the piss. When you've got multi-ball, he's kicking the ball off the pitch. He's doing what? 
that's his that's so what it's not a, it's not a problem there's real problem i don't think he game. did kick it off the pitch kev i think i think he julian did. alvarez no, he kicked did. that ball straight down the line no he did he did kick it no he did it did go out of play but the point was it's a solution looking for a problem that doesn't exist when there are real problems and my, it's one of my biggest bugbears when it comes to corners a corner is supposed to be an advantage but if you've got your three defenders marking your three forwards and they're hugging them and the referee will take a minute to walk into the box with his big shoulders out and he's blowing his whistle. He's like, stay apart, stay apart. They're hugging it again. And 30 seconds later, the ball comes in, the ball gets cleared. The referee walks out the other pitch. I told them, bunch of wankers. That's all they are. Look at me. That's all. They Do you know the best thing about the women's world cup? There was an incident today in the Women's World Cup where a penalty was disallowed. I didn't agree with it, but look, the penalty was disallowed. The referee pressed a button and told the crowd why the penalty was disallowed. And later on in the game, James was sent off. The referee told the crowd that she was sent off for violent conduct. What's wrong with that? Why don't we see that? What are they afraid of? Having to be able to tell the people who are in the grounds, what the fuck's going on? Why can't they go at the end of a post-match and say, yeah, I see this decision. Yeah, I looking at the screen, looking at the monitor, looking at the incident. This is why I made this decision. Thank you very much, Mr. Oliver. On your way. We pay is enough reason, money to watch this shit. Kev, as devil's advocate, are the two things not combined? Like what Varan was talking about, how the players won't be able to express their passion anymore because they have to be concerned Ooh. about getting a yellow card for yelling at the ref. Is that not hand-in-hand hand why they don't want the refs mic'd up? Because a ref would try to say something, and instead you've got this giant man-baby like Bruno Fernandez crying right in your face, miming a yellow card six inches not a live, away from it's your not face. A li it's, not a, it's not a live mic until you press the button. That's the thing. That And that was, do you know what? I, I saw it today for the first time. I thought it was fantastic. I honestly thought it was fantastic. Because it's, not, it's like the NFL, you know, when they go to New York to get their... TV replay and they're told in their ear what the decision is. They press the button on their on their belt strap and they tell everybody in the crowd what the decision is and why. And it's it's a little thing, but it would help the fans in the ground so much, especially at grounds like Anfield, where you don't have a monitor. You know, yeah. when, when we were there last week, there was incidences in the game where we were seeing stuff and we're like, why why did this happen? You know, and all it takes is just tell people, just tell people what the hell's going on. You know, you inform the fans, the fans will react to it, to that. They might not like it, but at least they'll know it. They'll respect it. I'll respect yeah. the referee when he tells me why he made the decision. You know, I might not fucking agree with it. I might learn something, you know, and I probably will learn some. I'll learn a lot. But at the end of the day, <laughs> if you don't tell people and keep it like a closed secret, and a closed, closed shop, what are we all doing here, you know? They want more and more games. They want more and more TV coverage. They want more of everything. But we ask for little things like referees to inform fans and referees to be accountable for decisions to fans and to managers because ultimately managers get sacked on the back of these decisions. You know, all it can take is a point or two to get to avoid relegation. A referee's decision can win your titles, send you down. They cost managers jobs. All you're ever asking for is for them to come out and say, this is why I made a decision. A, a, a two-minute interview at the end of a game. If there's an incident worth talking about, most of the time there isn't. It, I don't think it's hard. I really don't. 
Nah, it's, uh, I mean, you could also put together a quick highlight package of Jordan Pickford taking 45 seconds over a goal kick and string those all together and present those to him in the press zone after a game and ask him why he had to take a combined five and a half minutes to take seven, you know, goal kicks sort of thing. So it does go both ways, but yeah, yeah, yeah. As we reach the end of our final preseason full-time Reds slash no transfer knowledge show slash uh, Lavia Watch Day 28. We got five, six, six days. Six days until our first game of the season, Kev. How's your confidence yeah. level? Huh? You, you feeling confident going into the season? I'm confident that we'll compete to get into the top four. There you go. We're not winning. I'll we're not that. winning the league. We're not winning the league. No. These no, owners even I'm not that delusional. Yeah, these these owners aren't winning, aren't um, interested in building a side to win the league this season. They're just not. You know, they're 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 not that side. Arsenal went out and spent a quarter of a billion pounds on the back of spending another three hundred and fifty million pounds over the last two years, and they've built a squad that's capable of challenging Man City. They might last longer than March. They might not. But at the end of the day, they they look like they want to achieve something. We're in a situation yeah. now where I look, I think we're three short. Get the three players in. We've got enough firepower to score enough goals to put us into a situation where we'll get into the top four and see where we are from there. Antoine Go, I love your optimism, man. But there's only so much that I can believe in. I believe in the power of Guinness and I believe in the power of a lot of things, but I also have eyes in my head, and I'm looking at <laughs> the fact that that 11 tonight, that bench is only really minus two players, Thiago and Stefan. That's not enough. That is not enough. There are eight sides in the Premier League, I think, capable of getting into the top four, and we're one of seven who are not really going to win the league. And that's just, I just, I have a tough time seeing how enough teams take points off a city for them to not put up 95, 100 points again. Like, that to me is the biggest stumbling block. Like, I think Liverpool are going to do well. We've got uh, almost certainly some shows coming up to fill the rest of the week out before the season begins, where we're going to have a few people on shows giving their predictions. I believe Emmett has a uh, Excel document that he's going to share around through our telegram group so if you're in the telegram group and want to do our uh, season predictions that should be coming out hopefully in the next couple of days before the season begins uh i i'm trying like i'm thinking about okay you know like how can i justify liverpool winning the league because i want to believe like antoine goat that win the league that's what all of us want at the end of the day is we want to win the league and I think the bottom, what what will end up being the bottom 10 teams in the league this year, I think are going to be diabolically bad. I think the bottom half of this year's Premier League is going to be pretty dire. And then the ones above that are like, Aston Villa, I think is a good team. I think Brighton's going to be a good team again. Chelsea will be improved. Spurs are an absolute wild card. Who knows where they're going to go? But I mean, Luton Town, ay, ay, ay. Like, it looks like it's going to be a one and done for them sort of thing. So, I can I can justify thinking we can get four out of 60 points off the bottom half of the league, but I have zero faith in this Liverpool squad team as it stands right now. I don't know how they beat Man City. I just don't. 
And if we can't beat Man City, then there's not a lot of teams that are going to go and take points off of City. Like, it's hard to see Wolves beating City twice this season. Uh, Matt did say that his connection was a bit iffy for the last few days. I'm sure he'll be back in a sec. I think the way that the season's going to go, um, I think you, you got we've got to improve the amount of points that we took from last season. You know, if we can take as you know your your bottom ten sides, if we can look, that's you're playing them twice, twenty games, sixty points. If you can look to take between fifty and fifty-five points off out of those games, and then see where the rest gives you out of the back of that, you need to be taking another thirty to thirty-five points out of the rest of those games. That puts you on between eighty and ninety points. You know, it's one of them. Um, it's it's. I don't. I don't agree with you with the the bottom ten. I think there's enough quality in the league, up and down the league. That I think most players, most sides have players within their squad that can hurt you. You know, be it from set pieces, set plays, pace up top, strength part. This league is unforgiving if you're not on it. You know, I, it's one thing I I hundred percent believe. Um. We just got to be very good for a consistent period of time. People forget. I mean, for a lot of the naysayers and the doom and gloom, me included, in, in where I am at the minute, we finish the season pretty strong. You know, so we can build on that confidence. Confidence is another thing. You you roll the first four games, you roll four wins off. Off that, you're bouncing into the rest of the season. You lose two, draw one, win one, four points from four. You're sat there like throwing things against the wall. You know, it's a it's a microcosm of a season within a season because the real football doesn't start until after the international break. But you can definitely find yourself out of a title race at the end of these four games. You're not going to win it, but you can certainly find you can certainly be out of it. So, look, I'm just looking forward to it. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back into doing the shows as well, you know, doing the post-match shows, doing the, um, a lot of things. So, yeah, Kimmich wasn't in the Byron squad today. <laughs> no, yeah, apparently, uh, Kai Sado wasn't involved in training today either with with um, Brighton. So, Brighton are spending some big money in the last few days. So, Read into that what you will. Apparently, well, we've cooled this our is, interest this is trans, as well. transfer internet. This read into everything. Yeah, apparently we've cooled our interest on Andre as well. So, read into that what you like. I don't know. There you go. So, uh, um, I was trying to get around to it. My connection has been absolutely garbage tonight. So, I apologize if it's garbled and I came in talking over top of you there, Kev. For the most part, you've been no, you're good. You're jittery good, you're good. As, yeah, cool. Uh, I presume we're getting our first Friday weekend preview show of the year coming up this week. Um, I don't know if we're going to. Be do I don't know what we're going to do. Um, we're going to be doing something this week, so keep just keep notifications on. Make sure you obviously like, subscribe, but make sure your notifications on to see when we go live. Uh, I think there's definitely going to be shows this this week where hopefully we're going to be talking about a new signing or two. But definitely doing previews, I'd imagine, for the season as a whole, how we think sides have done in the window, 
what more other sides need to do because we're not the only ones who've got business to do. There's, I mean, it's all up there. It looks like today, I mean, you, there's an awful lot of news breaking today. You know, like Neymar saying he wants to leave PSG. You've got <laughs> Bayern Munich have turned had another bid turned down for Harry Kane. What do Spurs do? Do they sell? Do they keep? West Hammer have done a deal to bring in uh, Edson Alvarez. We were, a lot of pe people were talking about him for us. £32 million. And that's where I think the thing goes back to for Lavia. Edson Alvarez is 25 years of age, established Mexican international, seasoned player in the Dutch league. You know, it's, he's, he's credible in the position. And West Ham were able to get him for £32 million. So either there's an awful lot of people are really looking at, at Romeo Lavia and thinking you're the second coming of Christ, or we're getting our pants pulled down because we are in desperate need. Both things can be true, true at the same time. Well, on that, uh, that's a holy bombshell on which to, uh, I think, end it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. This show tonight brought to you by bookmakers.com. The season is fast approaching. The NFL is coming back. So if you're into a little bit of the uh, sports gambling, head on over to our sponsor, bookmakers.com. Get the best odds. If you're going to spend your money, you may as well get the best odds while you're doing it because to do otherwise seems putting silly on top of silly. Uh, and, of course, our charity sponsor, our partner for the show, is the 12 women from the Dublin GAA Club running the Dublin City Marathon, raising money for breast cancer awareness. We've been working uh, with them for the last couple of months, trying to get them to a fundraising goal of 20,000 euros. We are getting tantalizingly close to hitting that fundraising target after great work done by both the ladies themselves fundraising and, of course, Gav, uh, who is just the absolute standard bearer and spearhead of uh, all the fundraising that's done on this channel and uh, all the people there at the golf day. So. If you can, spare a few extra euros, dollars, or pounds, whatever it is that you use, head on over to the fundraiser uh, at GoFundMe. It's pinned to the LFC Day Trippers social media accounts. If you go into the description of the show, anything like that, you'll find the link to that in there. Uh, but other than that, I mean, roll on. I mean, the actual games are back, Kev. I, yeah, it's the best time of year. I, I love the Premier League, buddy. I absolutely yeah. love it. I look forward to there being a lot of Telegram group activity all weekend long hundreds and hundreds yeah. of messages so it's all good so uh thanks everybody for joining us tonight hopefully uh gav has to put together an emergency show for tomorrow because we're announcing romeo lavia uh is coming into liverpool after southampton accept the 17th bid of 52 million euros who knows what it's going to be it's been fun thanks for joining us for the preseason we'll see you guys next time when the uh, bullets are live and the points actually matter see ya Sports Social Podcast Network.